Hey, it's been uh, kind of nice to have the weather back down. It's been nice to get out there, kind of finish out with a fall-like kind of introduction. I hope you guys have been enjoying that. Uh, we have been, uh, as we've been transitioning into the fall, we've been looking at um, starting to kind of a mini-series about community. And <clears throat> I'm going to mention this uh, this morning, but all of that is to set us up because of where we're going this fall together. And uh, we're going to find how important um, really a community is for us to really be, uh, have this sense of that we're one body. We're not just a bunch of scattered individuals that happen to show up at the same time, same place. Um, there's some important things that God has on his mind. So digging into that uh, is always worthwhile. So um, this morning, I want you to think about how have, have you ever been walking along and uh, you see something? It may be, you know, I used to do this when you're walking through your grandparents' house. This would often happen. But you look over and you see this thing and you can see that there's intention to it being made. You can see the design of it, but you have absolutely no idea how it works or what it's for or what it might even be used for or when you might use it. You know what I'm talking about? And you see something like that and you're going, I have no idea what that is, right? Um, there are times, for example, um, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but how many people alive today, and the number's growing every day, but how many people would look at like a rotary phone and go, <laughs> I don't get it, right? Because uh, a lot of people, they didn't have to deal with the, the rotary phone. And you think about it, you go, why did we? You know, why did, right? Wait, wait. So when we look at stuff, sometimes we're looking at it, and if we, haven't, if we haven't engaged with it, if we don't know, we, it might take a while to figure out what it's about. In our passage today in, in Ephesians, we're going to be looking at Ephesians 4, really through the whole chapter, but we're going to be reading, we're going to be looking at chapters, um, chapter 4, verse 1 through 7 here. But the Spirit of God is introducing us to, um, to what many people would call spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts, personal callings, personal ministries, things that God has called us, has wired us for. And, and a lot of times when we talk about these things, we talk about them like they're just our normal abilities or talents. They're just kind of on steroids, right? They're just kind of spiritually charged. Uh, but all that that means is that we really don't, we really haven't looked into, we really haven't understood what God's spiritual grace gifts really are. Because when God talks about them, um, he has some very, they're amazing for one, but it, when we look at them, sometimes we don't know how they're supposed to be used. When are we supposed to use them? How do we, how do we even, do I have one? And, and these kind of questions that come up. So um, we're gonna be looking into that today because that has everything to do with this thing called community. So let's stand together. We're gonna look at Ephesians 4, start getting into that chapter with verses one through seven. And let's listen for what God is saying about these, what he calls these powerful gifts of like little grace, pieces of his grace. Uh, so Paul is writing this. The Apostle Paul is the guy that wrote a lot of our New Testament. He's writing this, and at the time, he's literally chained up, okay? So he is a, a prisoner. He may be under house arrest, may be in prison at this time. But he says this, therefore I, as one who is chained to the Lord, literally what he says. He says, you guys see these physical chains, but I want you to know there's only one set of chains that matters to me. I'm chained to Jesus, Okay? He says, as one who is chained to the Lord, I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance to one another in love, 
conscientiously preserving the unity of the spirit by means of the chains, it's a literal word again, the chains of peace. One body, one spirit, just as you were also called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So that, here's this passage, just one of four in the New Testament that talks about these things called spiritual gifts. And right at the end, they're starting to get into it. But when God wants to talk about it, where does he start? He starts with the context for the gifts, right? These gifts aren't meant for us to go out and just do our own thing. There's a context. It's the body of Christ. It's the community of God's people because God's community, life in God's community is what he, what he designed us for. These individual callings, these parts that we, the roles and the parts that we play in the community, those unique things that he calls us to do and to be within that community, um, those were designed for us as well. But this life in God's community is what we are designed for. So we take those gifts that he's designed for us, that he's designed, made us to work out, and we live them out in his community. And we find that both his life in the community and this life, this specific unique calling that he has on us, both of those have been crafted for us by him. Amen? They're unique to us. They, they give us joy. They give us just a sense of fulfillment and purpose. Today's message is, is titled, tailor-made for us, amen? Father, this morning, um, there are sometimes we get into topics that maybe we've looked into a lot. And in those times, we need you to just kind of reset and refresh our minds so that we can hear things again for the first time. God, this is something that's so on your heart for us to understand to understand the community that you've made us a part of, how that body functions together, how it can function in that peace, how we can be held together by those chains, those bonds of peace. And yet to be free to just be living out and to be living into those callings and those giftings that you've given us. And how that, God, is what brings about just the, the fullness of this life in the community of, of your people in a way that we reflect Jesus, in a way that we make you known to this world. So Father, we need you to open our hearts today. We need you to open our eyes to see this. We need you to just really impress on us and really seal it deep into us who we truly are, what we've been called to, because we want to walk in a manner that's worthy of this calling that's been placed on our lives. So we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would take this place and this time, that you'd make it yours, that you would establish your presence here, you as the only teacher. If you're gonna use my words, use my words. If you're gonna have to go bypass them, do that. But help us to understand, understand your word, understand your calling, understand the glory that is ours because of Jesus so that we might make you known. We pray this for your glory, Father, in the name of your son, Jesus by the power of your spirit, amen. Amen, have a seat. So um, a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, uh, Carrie's brother and sister-in-law came to visit. And uh, prior to visiting, coming to our house, they had been up in, in Vermont. 
And so on their way in the door, uh, Lisa, that's her sister-in-law, she, she gave Carrie a gift, and then Todd, her brother, handed me this bag, and then it was this T-shirt. And <laughs> you know those times when you get, you get a gift, and the way the person's looking at you, you're going, I think this is supposed to be more meaningful somehow to me than how I'm taking it? And so you're kind of looking, you're going, I'm not sure. You know, and you're just hoping, and so th- that was me in that moment. I'm just, you know, Vermont T-shirt, thank you. You know, and uh, so he saw me kind of confused. And so finally he says, so uh, we got up to Vermont and everybody's wearing these, t- these T-shirts all over and they have your initials on them. So we figured they were your T-shirt. <laughs> so we decided to get you one. <laughs> right? So um, <laughs> all of a sudden it became like best gift ever, Right? It's just good to know that everybody in Vermont's wearing my T-shirts. Now. So, so we told we were on our, our uh, on a call with my daughter uh, a few days later, and we were telling her, and I told her about the T-shirt, and she says, "Oh yeah, and you guys need to go to Connecticut because then you could get mom one of her T-shirts." <laughs> so for you guys that don't know, so my wife's name is Carrie. So Carrie. Anyway. So that was, that was good. You know, sometimes even, even the best gifts, sometimes, have you ever given a gift like that that you gotta explain it? And then all of a sudden the lights go on and they go, oh, this is great, you know. Sometimes even the best gifts need to be explained a little bit. And I can almost guarantee you with God's gifts, they need to be explained a little bit. Because a lot of times we look at them and we just, we do not understand uh, what he's trying to get at, what he's trying to give to us. And we know they're good. We just don't always know what they are. So uh, today we're gonna take some time. We're gonna go through, uh, basically through Ephesians 4. Some of you guys bring Bibles. Uh, if you do, uh, you can open up to Ephesians 4 because we're gonna be traveling through it. If you don't, you always have a Bible on your phone. I don't know if you knew that, but you always <laughs> you can look it up. You just say Ephesians 4 and it'll open something up for you. So um, take advantage of that. Um, but we're going to look through. Uh, we're going to look through Ephesians four because uh, here it's God is is really telling us about these these gifts, these these special graces that He gives to us. It's important. Why? Because these are the things that one they define they define a lot of who we are in Christ. But also these are the things that tie us into the life of the community of God's people. They tie us into. They give. They make sense. They tell us who we are and what what we're about. So. Um, let me give you some background. Prior to chapter four, I'm gonna give you a quick rundown, chapter one through three. Chapter one, the Apostle Paul, he's the guy that, that wrote this letter, and he writes in this letter, he lays out this prayer that he has, and he says, God, open their eyes, open the eyes of their hearts so that they can see what this amazing calling is, that they can see what it means for them to be a part of this thing called the body of Christ. And he, then he tags on this line, this, this phrase that he's gonna use over and over again, that they can see the body of Christ, and he calls it the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Well, we get to chapter two, and Paul describes how God took these people that were far away, and some of you guys, when you came to Christ, might have felt like you were far away, and he brought some them together with those who were near to him, that were pretty close, and he brings them together, and he says he brings them together in this whole new person, this whole new being, this whole new nation, this tribe. He says he builds them up like a temple that's for his very presence so that he might live through them, not just individually, but them together, that he might show himself through them. And they might be, reflect this fullness, 
Now he doesn't use it there, but he, he implies that same thing. But then when he gets to chapter three, he, starts to, he describes the glory of the ministry he was called to in this work that God is doing. He says, I've been able to be a part of this. And, and, and uh, then he ends though with this prayer that he prays that each of us would also, our, we would see, um, be able to comprehend what this work of love that God is doing that we would be able to comprehend it and that we would be grounded in it. And as a result of that, again, he uses this phrase. He says that we would be filled up to the fullness of God. Now, that's not just a random phrase. That we would, he literally is saying that we would be filled up so that we would actually be the church that God intended us to be. Because his intention is that we would be the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And that we would be that. Now, have you ever thought about the community of God's people in that way? Have you ever thought about the church in those terms, that we are the fullness of God? We are to be the fullness of the expression, the representation of his presence in this world. We're to be the fullness of the expression of his love and his power. He doesn't bypass his church. He goes through us to show his glory. And he says, he says, you are the fullness because that's what, that's what Ephesians says. That's what it says we are. And that's why this thing about learning, learning what our, our gifts and our ministries and how we're tied into that body and that work, how we're, we're a part of that, that's why that's so important for us to know. He says that, um, Ephesians says that, that this is what we are and that his grace, his grace is shown through us in these things called the gifts and the ministries. And so that's what leads us into chapter four, right? So chapter four, we start out with these words. Okay, given all that background, he says, therefore, I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Wow. Right? All of a sudden, that becomes really heavy, right? I mean, that's, there's a lot packing into that little statement right there. That turns everything. So what is that calling? You're calling... This calling that, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, when you start in chapter one, it's just starting with the whole, like the whole cosmic, the whole universe is out there, right? And he's starting there. He says, so in this, the body of Christ, what an important role that plays. And so what is your calling? Your calling is to have, like as your highest priority, your, your, your main kind of focus is what it means to be a part of this body. What does it mean what is your calling? What is your gifting, your ministry that God has called you to? And he says, well, how do, we, how do we walk in that worthily? Well, he starts out and gives us some general you know, outlines, which is first with all humility, with gentleness towards each other, with patience, um, showing tolerance for one another and love. Have you ever had to tolerate someone who is in the church in love, right? Thank you for laughing, Gloria, because she's the only one being honest. Serious, right? Have you ever had to tolerate somebody in your own family? Come on, you guys. Anytime you get two people together, you got some toleration going on, both ways. So, but then he says this, conscientiously preserving the unity of the spirit by means of the bonds. He literally says like the chains of peace. Now in chapter two, Paul had talked about this thing called peace. He said that was the message that God spoke to those who were he called out to those who were far away and those who were near. And he brought them together. He brought down all these walls and he established peace. Peace. Peace was the message of the gospel spoken through Christ. Peace is the thing that holds them together that they were called to. Peace are the chains that hold us together as one body. 
And it's through these other things, the humility and the gentleness and the patience and the tolerance that we really, that peace is established and that this, that this unity of the spirit is brought together. And so it says that peace like a chain, it should, it should keep us together and we should strive, we should work hard to preserve that conscientiously. He says, because the reality is this, there's one body and there's one spirit and our gathering, our, our existence should reflect that. There's one body, there's one spirit, just like there's one hope of our calling, just like there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all and through all and in all. But then he ends with these words, but to each one of us, grace was given, right? So on the one hand, he's talking about this big, broad thing, this amazing thing called the body of Christ that we're a part of and that makes Jesus known in his fullness to the world. But to each one of us, grace was given. And so it's, it's saying that basically the way that God's big plan is lived out in our individual lives is not to go try and be all of who Jesus is to the world. Every one of us trying to outdo ourselves and just be Jesus. Yes, kind of, but not really because it's when we come with that ministry that he's called us to and we become a part of the body that the body gets to reflect all of who Jesus is. In fact, in other places in the New Testament, it says that we have these gifts and they're like little facets of God's grace so that you don't see the whole diamond of God's grace with all of its facets until you get all of us together. And then you see the multifaceted grace of God, the fullness of God's grace. So here we are, and God says that basically the way we live this out is not just through the body, but it's through these these individual giftings. And he, he also tells us, he says, and, and remember, this isn't just any grace. So verse eight through 10, if you're following along, verse eight through 10, he tells us, because sometimes we look at eight through 10, and we go, well, I don't even know why that's there. It's there to show us what kind of grace he's talking about, because he says, this grace is just like the ministry of Jesus. It's, just, it's, it's as deep and broad and wide as Jesus was. And Jesus started in the highest of heavens, and then he descended to the deepest of hells, and then he reascended and went to the highest of heavens again to see with every name above every name. Why? Why? So that he could show he was in and through everything from top to bottom. And he says, you've received, you've had a grace poured into you just like that. That big, that wide. It's big enough for anything you might encounter. It is in its totality in every situation that you walk into. At any time that you're calling upon the grace of God, it is there and in that kind of fullness. It's overflowing, it's overwhelming, and it's all, it's all encompassing. And he says, that's been poured into you in a very specific way. Because we find that this has been poured into you in this kind of this specific gracelet, this, this facet. It's a part of the diamond, it's a part of the fullness of the diamond, but it's just a, an aspect that you see a very specific way. And we say, well, okay, so what are those callings? Well, in verse 11, Paul lists five of them. He said, Jesus gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, and some as teachers. Now, some of you guys are going, I don't see my name on that list, right? <laughs> but he says, yes, it is. He gave five gifts. There are these, and these are called the five-fold ministries. The, these are like the core streams of God's gifting, the core streams of 
giftings that God gives to his people because what you'll find is that any ministry that we engage in, anything that we do in the name of Jesus falls into one of those five streams. For example, when we gather to connect, we gather together and we just kind of to get to know each other, learn how to care for each other, learn how to kind of um, be involved in each other's lives, that's a very pastoral ministry. Pastors are the ones that help connect and care and bring God's people together. When we get into a ministry where we're being shaped and we're, being, we're learning new stuff, but our minds and our, our perspectives are being changed and we're learning new ways to live, that's discipleship, that's training, that's teaching, that's a teacher ministry. So all of these ministries, these are like these five major streams. For example, apostles are the ones who they take the spiritual ground. They make room for, in the heavenly places, they make room so that ministry can be, have made have room made for it in the heavenly places so that then you'll see it manifest on, you know, kind of in this realm, in this earthly realm. You guys go, I'm not sure what that is. Well, if you're an apostle, you do know what that is because you, you find out that if we, don't, if we don't take the ground in the spirit, we're never gonna see anything happen in the flesh, ever. And so apostles are the one that they're just, they're praying through stuff and they're praying deep into it and they're going, they're kind of going to battle for us. Um, prophets, prophets are the ones who they will regularly kind of come out of that place with God and they'll say, hey, this is what God said. This is what God said about judgments that he's made or definitions or, or descriptions about what's going on in reality that we may not have seen. And sometimes they'll share the words, <clears throat> they'll share the words that they've heard from God or tell us about the visions that they've seen from God that have something to do with what God is trying to tell us. Now, you guys, sometimes it's hard to hear from apostles and prophets because they're like living in this other world, Right? And they come in and they say, hey, you gotta hear what's happening. And you're going, what are you talking about? So God gave evangelists. Why? Evangelists are those. We think of evangelists as those who go out and they tell the world about Jesus. They do, um, but they do that kind of outside the body, especially if the apostles and prophets got sent to the desert. And so the evangelists were like, what are we supposed to do now? Because their primary function in the church is this. They hear what the prophets and the apostles say and they translate it through this filter of Jesus so it becomes it, be, it takes on the form of gospel instead of just these visions. and they, tra- they, they translate it. So it becomes that gospel form that the church can be built on, that the whole church is always built on. It's the story of Jesus, the person of Jesus, and they bring all that, and they, they say, it's like this. You read the gospels, that's what they're doing. Those first four books of the New Testament, that's what they're doing. They're translating everything through Jesus. They're translating Jesus' life through Jesus for the church, so they can know what to do in their situation. That's what evangelists do. And then there are the pastors, the pastors we talked about, they're the shepherds. Who they, they live among God's people. They help collect and gather God's people. They help shape them into that community that God's called us to be. And then the teachers, and the teachers are there to disciple and to train. They're there to help God's people develop right thinking and right actions and right habits so that we can keep hold of you know, the fullness of Jesus and the, and the unity of the spirit so that we know how to think about things and see things and approach them right so that we keep reflecting Jesus, okay? Those are the five big streams. I want you to hear this. God has said that he has poured out into each one of us a grace that falls into one of those streams. God has poured out into you a grace that falls into one of those streams. He has gifted you to be a part of those big five things that he is doing. Now, some of you guys, <laughs> you feel like sometimes you're looking right at that thing and you're going, I don't know, right? It's like the, the dial-up telephone thing. And 
I don't even know what that is. I don't know how it works. Some of you guys might even right now, you might be looking at that and you might be saying, literally, Pastor Van, um, I don't see it. None of those things are in me. All that that means, I wanna assure you, all that that means is you don't know what you're looking at. Because they're in there. God said he has gifted each one of us with a grace. And this is the grace, some as apostles, some as prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. So it's in there. We just don't always know what we're looking at. We don't always know what to do with it. But God said that he has given it to us. He has given us one of these powerful gifts in these powerful streams so that together we can be the body of Christ. So it's not a matter of whether we have a calling. It's a matter of we may not know how to recognize it. We may not how to know how to use it yet. So um, here's the question. What do, what do these gifts do? What are, they, what are they there for? Well, in verse 12 to 13, next couple of verses, there are three things it says that they do. And I want you guys to hear this because I think these are the things that we hope for in our church. They really are. They're the things that we hope our church will become and do. But it's, I want us to think as we're going through this, it's going to take us being who God has called us to be in order for the church to be who God's called us to be, right? So it says, first, um, these gifts, they help equip, equip God's people. That word equip, it literally means help arrange God's people in the right arrangements, help, help um, prepare God's people in the right ways so that they can do the work of service. What's the work of service? That they can serve in those areas that God has gifted them. So the, the body is constantly helping draw up new members and tr- getting them invested and in, in, in established in their gift areas as well. Second thing it says is that it leads the body to this new maturity, this maturity in Christ so that it's, it's not just a bunch of parts. It's this one new body that's all built up. Um, and it, it comes about because of the ongoing serving of these upcoming prophets, apostles, evangelists, pastors, teachers, right? All new, and they keep serving each other, and it keeps building up stronger and stronger, and so it becomes this mature um, church. And the third thing it says is that it leads us, and, and this is where we hope to get, it leads us to that place where we attain three things. The first is we attain unity. And it says that unity has to be based on two, two very important things. One is that we all understand our faith rightly. Well, that's gonna be... That's gonna be a ministry of the apostles and the prophets and the teachers, right? We're gonna understand it, but then the pastors, we have to learn how to live with each other so we understand our faith rightly. The second is that we attain to this, this um, knowledge of the Son of God. And it's not just talking about knowledge about. It's talking about that when we come together as, as a group, as when we come and we're engaging in this kind of ministry, we see Jesus there and we get to know him because he keeps showing up every time that we keep showing up, right? Whether it's in worship or whether it's in a Bible study or whether it's in a prayer group or whether it's in whatever it is, Jesus keeps showing up. So we grow in our understanding of him by getting together with others who know him because he says, if, we'll, if you'll get together, I'll be there with you, right? So we attain to this, this unity. We attain to the maturity of our faith and in the way that we live together. So it says we attain to this maturity as a body. And then it also says this, we attain to the measure of the stature that rightfully belongs to the fullness of God. Right? We attain to the stature that we were meant for. We start looking 
more like Jesus. That's the thing that we keep saying we want the world to see when they look in and they see how we live with each other and how we love each other and how we minister to the community and how we do what we do. It says, if we will lean into this, that we will attain to the stature that rightfully belongs to the fullness of God. That's why it's so important. That's why it's so important for us to discover how God has wired and gifted each one of us because we cannot do this with just a few of us trying, just a few of us kind of paying attention to it. The church, is, the church is all of us working together. You don't have a diamond with like three facets. You have a bunch of facets and then you see the beauty of the diamond. And so it's leaning into this, leaning into this understanding. The result is this, it says in verse 14, so that we would no longer be like little babies that are tossed this way, carried away that way by every wind and wave. I mean, imagine out here in the surf, right? And you throw a little baby in there, big wave comes in immediately, just knocked over, thrown on the beach, rolled over a couple of times. Not a good time for the baby, right? And it says, it says that we would no longer be like that spiritually. Just every time a new doctrine comes in or a new teaching comes in that, that may be false, may be deceptive, may be intended, and it says specifically intended to draw us off, that, that it'll knock us over and carry us away. Because sometimes we don't have the strength in ourselves to stand up against the wave, but I can guarantee you when a bunch of the parts come together and become the body of Christ, we stand in the surf and it just kind of breaks over our ankles, right? Doesn't do anything because of the strength and the stability of this multifaceted grace, the fullness of God. It says, instead, we speak the truth in love and we grow up in all ways into Jesus, who's the head of this body and from whom this whole body being fitted together and held together by what every connection point provides. Okay, it says that in these places where peace is necessary, every connection point between two members of the body of Christ, there's strength that's gonna be found there. We're held together by that peace that's found in those connection points, every connection point. And it says that that happens when we're working according to the proper working of every individual part. So here we are, these mature, we've learned what our calling is, we've learned our gifting, we're strong in it, and then whenever we connect with another, we're connecting in peace, and it says then there's a strength in this maturity, and it causes the growth of the body so that it begins to build itself up in love. Okay? Chapter four. So do you hear the calling? I mean, we, we heard it in chapter one, two, and three leading up to that, and he says, walk worthy of the calling. So now he's saying, this is how you do it. Do you guys see yourself in there? You are a part, you are a member, you, are a, you have been given, a, a, you've been this grace, the fullness of Christ been poured out in you so that you could be a part of this, so that you might mature in your, your ministry, but only so that you could connect with others and we could show the fullness of Christ. You guys, some of you guys, some of you guys are apostles or prophets or evangelists or pastors or teachers. Some of you guys are in there and, and yet when you, you look in and, and you're wondering, and, and this is, comes with the depth and the, and the breadth and the power that's reflected in the very kind of person and, and, and history of Jesus, right? That's the kind of, that's the calling, that's the power that's at work in you. 
And yet, so many, so many times we, we look in and we don't even know, we're, we're, we don't know what we're looking at. We don't know what we're looking at or what we're supposed to do with it. So a couple of things we can do. Learn who you are, right? Learn who you are. Learn what that means. I mean, learn, learn what it means. Learn how to walk in that. Learn how to be strong in that, how to grow up in that. Look for places that will help you grow into who God has called you. Don't, we, don't, we can't just be a bunch of people that are gathered in one place and kind of watching the ministry and watching Jesus go by. That's not what he calls us to do. He calls us to grow up in Christ and grow together in Christ so that we can make him known. So what are some practical things that we can do? Well, um, so in a couple of weeks, Pastor Cheryl's gonna return. She'll be nice and rested, I'm sure, after her sabbatical. Um, <laughs> She was telling me about a couple of her flights. I don't know that nice and rested, but we may have to give her a couple, no. Um, she'll be nice and rested, ready to get back in. For 13 years, Pastor Cheryl has been leading these groups called ID groups. And the ID groups, the whole point of them is so that people can start discovering and start digging into and start developing their gifts and their callings. Some of you guys need to get a hold of Pastor Cheryl, swarm her as soon as she gets, no. Um, get a hold of her as soon as she gets back so that you can start digging into this. The ID groups may be a great place for you. There are other places that the rooted might be a place to start where you're just getting kind of some grounding in your faith so that you can get kind of a context of what is the body, what is this church thing, so that I know how and where I'm gonna be using these gifts. But find somewhere, we need all of our people, all of us, to be pursuing discipleship, pursuing developing and growing in Christ. We need all of us not just as a side hobby, as our, this is our main calling in life. Give this calling, it, it says walk in a manner that's worthy of the calling. This is a high calling. It, de, it demands a lot of our attention. So pursue that kind of discipleship. Second, um, some of you guys, you guys need to get involved in ministry here. Some of you guys have abilities and, and have giftings that you've already been working on that you know you could be investing here. You need to be investing them here. So we, we have needs all the time for people to help out with the children's ministry or people to help. How many of you guys have a heart for seeing young, like uh, our students, seeing them discipled? Because we don't have a whole lot of people jumping on board and saying, hey, I wanna help disciple our, our middle school or our high school kids. Some of you guys look around and you say men's ministry or you say no women's ministry or you say, no, I, I just wanna be involved in maybe in, in greeting or in, in helping or in the, the, the needs ministry downstairs or in the sound, making sure that everything that goes out from here is coherent to people that aren't in this building. But this fall, think about where can I be involved so that this body starts reflecting all that we are and all that we're called to be. Third is this, you guys we need to prioritize because we need everyone involved in pursuing discipleship. We need everybody involved in ministry. We don't, we don't do this with just a few carrying the load. But the third is uh, we need to really prioritize being together, being together. You know, it starts on Sunday mornings. It starts by just being here and worship together. It starts in our C3 groups of just making sure that we try and get together to connect with each other, with our small groups of taking the time. It starts with just what we proposed this last summer of just start inviting people over to your house so you can get to know them. We need to prioritize just being together, being connected in places. You guys, this is the place where we, and those are the places, that's where we meet Jesus. 
He says, if we'll meet in his name, he'll show up. He'll be there. And we'll get to know him as well. You know, I got done with this and I started thinking, you know, <laughs> professional infants. And, and do you notice in that, that's the only place that it talks about individuals. You know, in the other places, it talks about the body as being one, this one united group of individuals. This talks about a bunch of babies being tossed everywhere by the wind and the waves, right? We, we, that's not gonna help us. That's where we all start. We all start very separate, not knowing what we're doing. We all start kind of toddling and stuff like that. But we can't afford to stay there, you guys. We can't. We're gonna get into a, a series um, this fall that talks about spiritual warfare. It's at the end of, of Ephesians. It gets into, you know, in chapter six. Now, there's a reason that chapter one, two, three, four came before chapter six. It's because we cannot do battle in the heavenly places until we are a community. When it talks about putting on the armor of God, it's not talking about each one of us individually putting that on and going out and doing our best. It's talking primarily that we as a body, and we're gonna find that out, that we as a body put on the armor of God because we're this one new person that the wind and the waves don't affect anymore, and we put on the armor of God. And through these, this five-fold ministry, we go out and we do battle against principalities and powers and these things that are way too big for any one of us to take on that we take it on as a church because we're the community of God's people and we reflect the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And God says, <laughs> this is the life that was tailor-made for us. This is the life that we were called to, empowered for, poured into, called into, equipped, walked, trained to. This is it. This is nothing else. There's no other way to be the church. Amen? Can we do that? <laughs>